So I've been working on this theory here that maybe one of the main reasons why the Democrats really love the idea of gun control is because, well, they keep shooting themselves in the foot. And we've seen this during the Democratic primary where by now no Democrat has any chance against Trump. Even though uh, we are down to Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, it doesn't really matter because they have given him enough material during the primary season that he has all the attack ad materials that he could ever dream of wanting. And it's partially because the Democrats have been engaged in identity politics for so long in order to get past the part where they have no actual ideas or nothing to back up any of the ideas uh, that they try to promote. But uh, as we go through here, we realize that the Democrats are now using identity politics on themselves. And so all the attacks that will come out during the general election trying to claim that Trump is somehow a racist, sexist, or engaged in voter suppression, Trump will be able to point to the tweets from the Democrats or a video clip from the Democrats accusing each other of doing the same things, which then makes their attacks on Trump moot and pointless and exposed as a complete sham. You know, for instance, we got Bernie Sanders here. And in a tweet, he goes, while Republican leaders go on and on about voter fraud, what we really have is a crisis of voter suppression. Our administration will do everything possible to make it easier to vote. And he's doing this in response uh, to a tweet about how the voter in Texas, you know, Southern University, walked out of the voting booth. It took him nearly seven hours to vote. Now, Bernie Sanders is wanting to go, long wait lines is about voter suppression. Of course, they've also come out during the season and said, well, because you didn't, you know, support Cory Booker or Kamala Harris, it's because you're racist, or Juan Castro, it's because you're racist. And they've come out and said, that you're sexist because you didn't support Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren. And they keep going through voter suppression and they go through with the sexist and racism charge. But there is one problem. These are the Democrat primaries. The Republicans play no part in it. It's the DNC and the state Democrats that organize, you know, the primary election day activities for the Democrats. It's the Democrats that chose who they were voting for and ended up choosing, you know, uh, right now, it just being down to Joe Biden and uh, Senator Sanders. And so what's going on here is the Democrats are actually attacking their own base. When they come out and say that because it's now between Sanders and Biden, you're racist, you're sexist, when it comes to the long wait lines and the Democrat primaries, it's voter suppression. Well, it's the Democrats doing that. The Republicans have no part in the Democrat primaries. The Dem- the Republicans are not the ones going out and choosing who the candidate for the Democrats is going to be. The Republicans play no part in how the Democrats run their voting during the primaries or how many voting locations they have and where they're set up. It's all run by the Democrats. So it's interesting to see that the Democrats are attacking their own base as sexist, bigoted homophobes and accusing their own party of voter suppression. 
And Trump is going to be able to go through and, you know, create ad after ad after ad highlighting just how bad the Democrats are, you know, or at least take out any weaponization of identity politics against Trump by pointing out, well, they called you guys, you, the regular American people, the Democrat voters, they called you all these things. Are you really all these things? And so they keep shooting themselves in the foot and showing just how much they despise the Democrat process. You know, how much a democratic process, I should say, and how much they despise the idea that they got to compete for your vote. Now, identity politics is a complete garbage way to go about selecting voters and are not selecting voters, but selecting candidates. You should vote for me because I'm a woman. Yeah, but are your policies any good? Well, that doesn't matter. I'm a woman. You should vote for me so I can be the first. You know, or vote for me because I'm a minority. Well, are your policies any good? Well, that doesn't matter. I'm a minority. I should just automatically get the vote. See, they can't compete on ideas, which is why they went to identity politics to, to begin with. And now that they are, you know, competing against each other, they can't help it. Identity politics is their only go-to when things do not go their way. Now, some on the left are realizing, uh, wait a minute, we're not supposed to be attacking each other with these charges. And so when Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris came out and talked about maybe sexism as the reason why Elizabeth Warren's candidacy uh, failed, those in the media, you know, started coming out and going, no, 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 that's not right. It's not because of sexism, because we don't want to accuse our own supporters of sexism, because, you know, if we go out and accuse our own base of sexism and they come out and go, wait a minute, I'm not a sexist. I've been supporting all these, you know, feminist causes. Well, if you're calling me a sexist, then maybe all those charges of sexism and all that about the Republicans, maybe that's wrong. You know, and, you know, maybe I should give the Republicans an honest look over, you know, and so they might lose some of their base, you know, and the media is starting to realize this. So now they're trying to go out and, cover up, you know, the charges of racism and sexism against their own party base and trying to say, hey, guys, maybe cut it out. But on the other hand, maybe some of the things that the Democrats are hoping on is the fact that their base is too flipping stupid to realize that their base, that the party leaders is calling their base all these horrible things. I mean, it's interesting, you know, because when Sanders throws out this tweet, you know, about you know, voter suppression because of long lines and the Democrat primaries, you know, his supporters are going out there thinking that, yes, this is, you know, a, a situation of the GOP suppressing votes, suppressing votes. Oh, it's the GOPs, you know, and their base does not realize that we're talking about the Democrat primaries. Their base does not realize that, hey, you know, the GOP is not involved in any of these events that you are accusing to be the result of racism, sexism, homophobia, and voter suppression. But yet their base actually thinks this is an attack on the GOP. Now, that's not surprising because they can't do math, you know, and I'm going to come out, you know, a little bit later and try to explain, you know, the rise of socialism in a different video and how that rise of socialism in part is due to the left's inability to do math. 
I mean, we've all seen that MSNBC video where they claim that $500 million spent on a campaign could have given every American a million dollars. And so we'll go through, you know, the whole rise of socialism and the math and the left's inability to do math and along with some other factors. But in this particular case, you know, now that we understand how poor they are at math, we can understand why they are too stupid to realize that the Democrat leadership is actually insulting them, you know, while they, being insulted, believe it's an attack on the GOP. It it is really quite an amazing situation, the complete lack of comprehension over this entire event. Now, there are some other things uh, that are going on uh, as far as the Democrat primary. Now, as far as the outcome of the primaries, what I would like to see. You know, while a lot of people are going off saying they hope to see Bernie Sanders get the nomination because Trump is going to crush Sanders because Sanders is a socialist communist uh, nutbag who's going through and talking about things that don't even exist as examples to support his, you know, his policies. For instance, you know, as you see uh, Bernie Sanders constantly coming out and talking about socialism like Denmark style, you know, like they have in Denmark or like they have in Scandinavian countries. Now, those Scandinavian countries have come out and condemned Bernie Sanders and asked them and asked Sanders to stop slandering their countries as socialists because when you go through and you take a look at Sanders and what he's claiming, he wants a Denmark that doesn't even exist as an example. Now, Denmark itself as a country exists, but Bernie Sanders' version of Denmark doesn't exist. Denmark abandoned socialism, you know, because it was crushing their economy, killing their economy. It was leading to high poverty and lots of starvation. So they abandoned socialism in order for to go to capitalism and things picked up. So Bernie Sanders, when he's talking about Denmark, you know, he wants you to go for the 1970s socialist Denmark, but he wants the 2020 uh, capitalist Denmark results. And he's trying to claim, you know, that they're one in the same somehow. You know, so he's talking about, you know, in a delusional form, uh, something that doesn't exist, you know, uh, a socialist, uh, a prosperous socialist Denmark. You know, they had to abandon socialism to become, you know, prosperous. But in any event, what I would like to see is Trump versus Biden. You know, now while Trump will easily defeat, you know, Sanders or Biden, if the reason why I pick Biden is not because he's just an, you know, an easier person to defeat. I'm just wanting to pick Biden because, well, the entertainment value. I mean, can you imagine on the debate stage, Trump versus Biden, the ultimate gaffe machine versus the ultimate troll, you know, and how Biden, you know, is going to go out there and stumble over his words. And just like Trump did uh, with media personalities, you know, interrupting, come on, you can spit it out. Come on, you know, get to it. You know, and how Biden has become mostly incoherent. Plus, you know, Biden has already given Trump everything he could need for an, uh, you know, for a campaign ad to completely crush Joe Biden. You know, for instance, let's take a few things that 
Trump could use in a campaign ad in the general election against Joe Biden. You know, once again, fight for the proposition that we hold these truths to be self-evident. Sounds corny. Not a joke. Think about it. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know the you know the thing. You don't get far unless you ask. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Glad to see you're doing well already. And I'm good, but guess what? If you elect me, I'm not gonna have you, your taxes are gonna be raised, not cut. I'm going to guarantee you this is not last year's scene of this guy. You're going to take care of the gun problem with me. You're going to be the one that leads this effort. Okay, so think about the how that will play in a general election situation. Biden talking about how he's going to raise your taxes and, you know, and how it's kind of sad that you're prospering under the Trump tax cuts. How he can't even, you know, quote the Declaration of Independence. Well, you, you you know the thing. And then him going out there talking about how he's going to strip away all your guns, your Second Amendment rights, and all of that. Now, now think about how that's going to play in the general election. Now, think about Joe Biden, you know, as you've seen, as incoherent as he is, how, you know, there does seem to be, you know, a serious case here of mental and cognitive decline with Joe Biden, how that's going to go out on the debate stage in the presidential debates. I mean, it, it, from an entertainment perspective, what will be the funniest thing to see? It would be Trump versus Joe Biden. Now, some my dad brought this up, and I hadn't thought about this before, but the worst possible outcome, you know, for the election well, I guess maybe not the worst possible outcome, but one of the uh, interesting outcome for the election would be Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, you know, a uh, ticket for president and vice president. You know, and my dad brought this up because it would be like, well, how would the media cover them? You can't understand anything either one of them say. You know, they're both incoherent, uh, you know, uh, mumbling and, you know, um, unable to, you know, really focus. I mean, it would be very hard for the media to cover them because no one would be able to understand them and what they're saying. So, I mean, that would be one way to avoid criticism. No one can ever understand anything you say. But imagine how that would lead to a lot of miscommunications in the government and some of the things that they would end up you know, stating for policies and then everyone throughout uh, the communication chain would be like, huh? Uh, what? I, I I don't necessarily understand. What is it? Can you clarify what you're asking for? Yeah. Hey, uh, Miss uh, Pelosi, uh, could you clarify that for me? You know. So imagine that as a particular outcome. You know, for you know the uh, election. Now, in the general election running up to that, can you imagine? The hilarity of the memes and all that going through with videos of Pelosi and videos of Biden and their incoherent ramblings. Now, as far as it goes, that's not to say that Trump versus Bernie Sanders wouldn't be entertaining as well. You know, now here you got two high energy people, but Sanders, you know, is kind of a delusional person uh, in his own right. He lives in a fictional world that doesn't exist. We already explained the issue with Denmark and how he's going off and trying to claim about a Denmark that doesn't exist where he wants to implement Denmark's 1970s socialist model, but wants the result of Denmark's 
2020 capitalist uh, model. You know, and so he wants the socialism with the benefits of a capitalism uh, economy. You know, you kind of have to pick and choose because there's nowhere in the world where socialism has actually worked. I mean, it has a 100% failure rate. That should tell you something. In fact, you can go back to socialism all the way to Exodus in the Bible, and you can figure out that not even God could get socialism to work. That's just how bad socialism is. Now, in going through and getting out there, Biden is still lying about particular events, but of course that's normal for a Democrat. You know, lying about their history, lying about their past experiences, lying about even their family tree. You know, Biden has been lying, you know, uh, for decades, just like Elizabeth Warren lied, and just like Bernie Sanders lies about everything. And one of the things that they keep going back to, uh, which is another lie that the Democrats have come up with, that have been debunked in every way, shape, or form. And that's when Biden came out and he wanted to talk about Trump's reaction or, you know, interviews and press conferences regarding Charlottesville. So let's take a look at what Joe Biden said, because, you know, when you go through and put out such demonstrably provable lies, it's easy to debunk. So let's take a look at Biden's lies. But I was wrong. What happened was in 2017 in Charlottesville, close your eyes and picture those folks coming out of the field with their veins bulging, carrying torches carrying Nazi banners, David Duke saying, this is why we elected him, accompanied by white supremacists. And a young woman was killed. And the president was asked to comment. He said something no American president has ever said. He said, quote, there were very fine people on both sides. By the way, it's more than a boo, it's a reality. No president has said that. You're right, no president uh, has said that, and your mischaracterization, you know, um, continue, you know, is so false that it continues to be that no president said that. Now, when we take a look at Charlottesville, there was actually four groups there, right? Two local groups uh, on opposite sides of the issues regarding the statues, and then Antifa and, you know, the white supremacists, you know, uh, not neo-Nazis and all that came in, you know, to add, you know, um, to the fire, add gasoline to the fire. And that was there. Now, the local groups, they did not, you know, intermingle or mesh with the Antifa and the white supremacists. They just, you know, kept away from them while they continued, you know, going through their demonstration and protest and all that. But the media wants you to believe that there was only, you know, uh, the, you know, the neo-Nazis and then, you know, these counter-protesters, you know, that they want to classify Antifa as. Now, Trump in saying there was very fine people on both sides, you know, um, I guess, you know, they're kind of upset that Trump would say that there's actually fine people in the left wing uh, as well. I mean, it's kind of interesting how, you know, Antifa, a violent, you know, terrorist left wing group, you know, um, and then the white supremacists mix uh, up and get into a big battle. And they're upset that Trump would actually recognize that there's blame on both sides, you know, from with the white supremacists and the, you know, terrorist Antifa. 
and that there were fine people on both sides of the issue that were not part of those other two groups, you know, of Antifa and white supremacists. You know, and so they keep going through and how they've been able to push, you know, this idea that Trump was giving support to, you know, white supremacists and all that while the left was trying to ignore the terrorist organization of Antifa being there is they had to edit out or avoid showing you certain clips of the public statements that he gave during that time. So let's take a look at the first thing that Trump said in his very first you know, a press conference or public statements regarding Charlottesville. The terrible events unfolding in Charlottesville, Virginia. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. On many sides. So Trump was absolutely right in that statement, that there was hatred, bigotry, and violence on both sides of the white supremacists and Antifa. And he condemned the hatred, bigotry, and violence. Well, Trump had given subsequent uh, press conferences and interviews in which he had discussed Charlottesville. And while the media wants to go off and play, you know, only, you know, a snippet of, you know, uh, of that in order to push a narrative, because remember, while the media is telling you a story, they're not actually telling you the story. Right? Because they're trying to develop a narrative, they don't care whether or not that narrative is true or completely bogus. So let's go off and take a look at another clip here that shows what Trump had said in subsequent uh, interviews and statements. And notice the one part where the media consistently leaves off. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Oh, excuse me. And you had some very bad people in that group. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. Okay, so the part that the media always leaves out is the part where Trump is saying... And I'm not talking about neo-Nazis and white supremacists because they should be condemned totally, completely. So it's obvious when he was talking about fine people on both sides that that did not include any of the neo-Nazis or white supremacists. But they keep pushing the whole idea that he was calling neo-Nazis and white supremacists as fine people or including that fine people because they're constantly leaving out the part where he says, I'm not talking about those guys because they should be condemned totally. You know, and how do you get this idea that, you know, Trump saying they should be condemned totally, completely, you know, and all of that as being support for them? You know, it's a very much a cognitive dissonance, but considering how easy it is to debunk the left's uh, attempt at creating a narrative, you know, a fictional story, it makes it harder for them to actually get elected because in the day of, you know, social media, you know, the media, the traditional media is unable to, you know, cre- keep these fictional stories going and the truth keeps on getting out there, which is why the media is always going through and trying to put pressure on social media companies to censor conservatives, to censor 
the you know truth, the censor facts, because they want to get to a complete censorship so that they can get back to the days where they are able to completely you know promote a fictional narrative and get you to believe it because you have no access to the truth. You know, but so far, you know, we're able to still access uh, the truth and, you know, whether it's shows like this or other uh, shows that are much bigger, you know, and we're able to see, you know, what's really going on. Now, the left and and their base are going to continue to, you know, want to live in a fictional world with no relation to reality because it's easier to try and blame other people for the results of the decisions you've made in your life rather than actually take responsibility for those decisions, you know, because as long as it's everyone else's fault, you're you're a saint. You've done nothing wrong. And so they're going to continue to live in this fictional world where they, you know, create fictional narratives, they lie, they do all of that because it's all designed to help them avoid taking personal responsibility for any of the decisions that they have made. Now, as far as it goes, um, outside of the Democrats' primary, you know, we got other issues that are going on that will have an impact on the election. You know, for instance, you know, coming uh, from CNN politics, there's a case uh, before the Supreme Court, uh, you know, in which they're asking to let faithless electors vote their own way. Now, if you're not familiar with how the Electoral College works, you know, what goes on uh, with it is the state, you know, generally lets, you know, has the population vote. And then the electors who are, you know, uh, appointed to the electoral college representing that state are to go through and take a look at this is how the people in my state voted. Therefore, I must respect their wishes and, you know, cast the electoral vote, you know, uh, for my state based on how my state voted. But the Democrats are going off and they're trying to undermine democracy and undermine the Electoral College. And so they've been starting to go off and saying, hey, you know, we don't care how the people in our state voted. We're going to cast our electoral votes, uh, our state's electoral votes, for the winner of the national popular vote, which is a complete and total disenfranchisement of the voters in that complete state because they're voting one way. And the elector, uh, the electors, uh, and who were appointed to the electoral college to represent that state, are going. Yeah, but I don't like who you voted for, but I like who won the national popular vote, which is never how the elections are decided. And so I'm going to cast my vote a different way. Well, now, you know what a faithless elector is? Is someone who's part of the electoral college who, you know, isn't uh, pledged. To a particular candidate, um, you know, uh, a pledged uh, elector is usually going, "Hey, you pledge to cast your electoral vote for the person who won the majority vote from our state, right?" But now they're wanting to get rid of that altogether and say, "Hey, you know, I don't care how my state voted. I'm just going to cast the electoral vote for whoever I want," you know. And so what they go through here uh, in this, you know, as they go uh, through this article, it's basically saying that, you know, yes, election day, people go to the booths and let's say, you know, the, uh, in uh, Iowa, for example, 
you know, 60, 70% of the population votes for Trump. And the the electors uh, that cast the electoral votes for the state go, yeah, well, I don't like Trump. So even though, you know, he got 70% of the votes in my state, I'm going to cast my electoral vote for the Democrat nominee, you know, for the other person. Which then you get to the question of, then what's the point of voting, right? If it doesn't matter how you vote, that the uh, people in the Electoral College can just cast their vote however they want, cast the electoral votes however they want, then what? Pro- then, then it doesn't matter, you know, how we vote in a particular state. And it's a complete and total disenfranchisement of the voters and the election of the president. Because we can consistently, you know, go through and if the faithless electors, you know, get their way, you know, in the Supreme Court, then it doesn't even matter who wins the national popular vote. You could have 70% of the country vote to reelect Trump and the faithless electors, you know, will go off and go, yeah, but I'm still going to cast the electoral votes for Bernie Sanders. And that's what they are arguing uh, before the Supreme Court for the ability to do. They're just arguing to be able to say, we're going to ignore the vote of the people and the electors are just going to independently decide for themselves who they want to cast the electoral votes for. Where currently the electoral, uh, the members of the electoral college who cast the electoral votes have to pledge you know, promise and be bound to the terms that they must cast the electoral votes for the candidate that won their state. You know, but the Democrats, they don't care. They're trying everything that they can possible in order to try and undermine democracy, undermine the will of the people, and cut us out of the election process. It's really quite amazing. And yet they're the ones out there trying to claim that it's Trump that's undermining democracy and attacking our freedoms. Okay, so there's uh, just a few more things uh, that I want to get to today. You know, uh, another thing going uh, from the Supreme Court, again, uh, from CNN Politics, Supreme Court rules against an undocumented immigrant fighting state prosecution. You know, and so it goes on to say, uh, the Supreme Court uh, ruled Tuesday against an unauthorized immigrant in Kansas. You know, unauthorized, which is... You know, euthanism uh, for illegal immigrants, someone in the country illegally who is committing crimes uh, by being here, you know, but in any event, you know, holding that a state could convict him of identity theft without interfering with federal immigration laws. You know, and so what's interesting about this case is, you know, an illegal immigrant is trying to argue that they are immune to uh, prosecution for any state crimes and any other federal crimes, for that matter, because investigating or prosecuting him for state and federal crimes will interfere with the immigration case. Because, you know, if, you know, we're only going to deport, you know, illegal immigrants that committed crimes, then convicting them of a crime interferes with his, you know, case to try and stay here in an immigration lawsuit or, you know, could lead to his deportation and therefore, you know, the state prosecution of him committing a crime, 
you know, will trigger deportation and therefore it's interfering with immigration. So somehow he's trying to say that by being here in the country illegally, he's immune to all other crimes or being prosecuted for any other crime. Now, this was a ridiculous argument, and yet it made it all the way to the Supreme Court. And it's interesting. Now, he was being prosecuted for identity theft. And here's what the left doesn't want you to know about illegal immigration. Being in the country illegally is not the only crime they're committing. They have to commit a whole host of crimes in order to survive in the country illegally. They engage in identity theft. They engage in perjury. They engage in forging documents. You know, because they need to do so in order to be able to survive in the United States and open up banking accounts, get a place to live, you know, uh, credit cards, mortgages, you know, and all of that. It all, you know, involves in, in forgery and identity theft in order to do so. But they're trying to go off now and claim that by being in the country illegally, they're immune to all, all other, you know, prosecutions for all other crimes because that will interfere in the federal immigration case and federal cases take precedent over state, you know, uh, crimes. Therefore, you know, they can't be prosecuted for anything. You know, it, it's amazing the lengths that they will go to in order to try and avoid, you know, being held accountable for their crimes. You know, but it's just like any other leftist. You know, you can't be held accountable for anything because everything is someone else's fault. Now, some other interesting stories, uh, this one coming from the Dan Bongino uh, Show website. You know, Covington Catholic students uh, to sue five more media outlets after CNN settlement. You know, now this is a very interesting in the fact that I want to say, yeah, go get them. Because if you remember what happened with the Covington kids, they were on a school trip minding their own business, but they were wearing MAGA hats. And so a bunch of leftists started harassing these mag, uh, these kids, you know, these Covington uh, students, started harassing them, calling them names, getting up in their faces. And the media vilified uh, the students who were the targets, who were the victims in this particular case, because they just stood there smiling, not saying anything, not doing anything, just, you know, smiling and letting the other people, you know, letting all the, you know, leftists, you know, uh, harass them as they were waiting for their bus. You know, and so it's because they didn't tuck tail and run, to, you know, for a safe space that the media went off to vilify them. And they started putting up, you know, little snippets of video that completely mischaracterized, you know, the entire situation. And so the students you know, uh, in this particular case, decided to sue the media for defamation. Or maybe it's libel. I forget, you know, which one's print and which one's video. You know, they probably sued them for both, given the written articles and the video coverage. And so uh, the Covington kids won the lawsuit against CNN uh, for their horrible coverage of the events and trying to vilify the Covington students who did nothing wrong. And, by the way... You know, the media tried to defend, well, th these kids were, you know, public, in the public spotlight. These kids, you know, um, were, you know, uh, became personalities. But the thing was, they weren't. The media is the one that, through pushing their false story and narrative, pushed these students 
into the media spotlight. So they're trying to, the media had tried to say, well, because we pushed them into the public spotlight, they're now public figures, which means they are now open to criticism. And the students are like, we didn't ask or seek out the public spotlight. We were just standing there waiting for the bus. You know, we didn't respond. We didn't, you know, uh, react. We just stood there and waited for the bus. And they were vilified. So now that they won uh, the case against, you know, uh, CNN, they are now going against, are going after all the other media outlets uh, that propagated this fictional narrative against them and slandered them. All right. And I hope they win. Okay. So now there's another interesting uh, article that had come out, you know, and I'm constantly sweeping through websites looking for what is the best things to talk about for this particular show. And one thing came out uh, when it came with, oh, sorry about that. Don't know what happened there. But when it came to Vice and Vice News uh, had come out, our, you know, Vice's website, man fined for engineering without a license was right all along. And what goes off and makes this story uh, very interesting is uh, the particular fact that you know, the left, you know, they're a bunch of snobs. They believe uh, that you have to have, you know, a certain level of co- of official college education to be an expert. Or you have to have certain licenses to be an expert and certain credentials. And that if you don't have those credentials, you don't know what you're talking about. If you don't have certain awards, you're not reputable and you're not authoritative and therefore there's no reason whatsoever to listen to you and so now they're going off and saying well if you give input or advice you can now be fine and so when they go off and they talk about how he was fine for engineering without a license it's not that he was actually going now and you know doing it as you know his career or actually engaged in a business or a company as an engineer no what had happened was he noticed that there was an issue uh, with his wife and her commute to work. He studied the issue, you know, and he wrote up a proposal. He wrote up an opinion on how to improve it. So he was just giving feedback and opinion about, you know, based off of his research, here's what we can do to improve the traffic light situation and increase efficiency. You know, giving, you know, your opinion or expressing an opinion should not constitute, you know, uh, engineering without a license. You know, and so he was fined uh, for it. But, you know, a group decided, you know, of actual engineers, you know, decided or was commissioned to actually study his opinion, you know, and proposal that he written up with all the facts and, you know, data that he had provided that he had gathered when writing this. And it turned out he was right. He was smarter than all the experts. And, you know, he was able to determine that, hey, we have a problem here. Therefore, I'm going to research the solution. Oh, hey, look, I think I found a better way. Here, let me submit this as just a proposal, you know, feedback, you know, whatever. And instead, you know, as providing feedback and and opinion based off of research, they find him and claim that just providing a suggestion for how to improve the traffic in the area was considered engineering without a license and they find him. And then in the end, it turned out that he was right 
and all the credentialed experts you know, were wrong in how to best and most efficiently plan the traffic in the area. You know, and so there. this is the snobbery of the left. You know, wanting to go off and say you have to have certain, you know, um, you know, documents and credentials and all that in order to, you know, be allowed to have an opinion on anything. You know, when in reality, everybody has the ability to learn, research, and go off and you know, find solutions. But the left, they believe in that snobbery. They are elitist. And of course, who hands out all of these credentials? Left-wing institutions. And so, therefore, only left-wingers get the awards and get the credentials and all that. And those who are conservatives, well, they're denied all of that, even though the conservatives, nine out of ten times, is going to be right. And the liberals are going to be wrong, you know. But they will have to create this elitist system in order to feed their own massive ego about they're the ones who are important. They're the ones who are the smart, and everybody else is just an idiot with an uneducated opinion. Okay, one last article here that I want to point out here, and it's coming from uh, the Daily Wire. You know, and it points out that the. Senate panel prepares to issue uh, first subpoenas in Burisma, Hunter Biden investigation. Now, it's about time that the left actually gets, you know, investigated for their criminal and illegal behaviors and actions. And so the defense that the left is trying to come up with on this is, oh, see, this is election interference. And they even got that idiot Mitt Romney to come out and attack the GOP. I mean, I hate rhinos. You know, uh, uh, people who are, you know, actually liberal Democrats, you know, who go off and pretend to be Republicans in order to get elected in a red state or a red district and then spend all their time attacking uh, other Republicans in order to get favorable media coverage. You know, but, you know, Mitt Romney, he is a complete idiot. You know, he couldn't even defeat Obama, you know, and that was and that should have been an easy layup uh, of a win. But in any event, you know, the the Democrats are coming up with this problem that because they went through and, you know, tried to do impeachment based off of the Ukrainian phone call in which Trump, you know, in passing, you know, in the general discussion about corruption brought up, you know, Burisma and Biden and the video of Biden. And so they went into, you know, the impeachment. Well, because they went into the impeachment, everybody was playing you know, hundreds of, you know, and even thousands of plays of Joe Biden, you know, bragging about how he got the prosecutor, you know, looking into Burisma, you know, a company his son sat on the board of, fired and leveraged taxpayer funds in order to do so. Well, now that impeachment is over and going, hey, actually, you know, Trump is able to investigate corruption and you know, you Democrats, you've gone out there and you've admitted no one's above the law, and now you're trying to say you're above the law? That doesn't make sense. And so now there's all these investigations coming down on, you know, Burisma and the Bidens because of all of them, you know, exposure of what Biden bragged about having done. You know, and so, you know, the Democrats are now trying to go, well, see, the Ukrainians are now opening up an investigation into this. See, there's the quo. There's the quid pro quo. You know, it didn't happen uh, right away, but now it's happening. See, we were right all along. Or, you know, hey, now the Trump is trying to use, 
you know, government and the Republicans are trying to use government in order to target political opponents. Now, of course, that's what the Democrats do, abuse government to target political opponents, but they're trying to ignore the fact that their own impeachment attempt put a huge spotlight on criminal behavior, on illegal activities, you know, or at least, you know, things that appear to be illegal and criminal, and that their own impeachment attempt is what has now opened up investigations into the criminal and illegal activities of the Democrats. Whereby, if they just didn't say anything and they didn't try and do anything, no one would have really noticed or paid attention and we would have moved along. You could have slipped it under the rug or, you know, been able to hide it. But they're now trying to say that, you know, the exposure to their activities, you know, uh, that was the result of their attempts to impeach now justifies their their intentions to, uh, to impeach because now... You know, the action, I mean, they're, it's basically, you know, the chicken and the egg argument, you know, uh, you know, and they're trying to muddy that up. They're trying to say, well, here's the, you know, our impeachment failed. Oh, now here's the investigations. Therefore, we were right in our impeachment charges where instead it went, they tried to impeach. We, you know, uncovered a video, uh, a confession of a criminal act. And now we're investigating that because we now became aware of it. You know, so in any event, you know, the Democrats are having a huge problem in the Democrat primaries, whether it's attacking their own base or having exposed their own past illegal and immoral activities and behavior. And their elitism and their attacks on democracy and attempts to you know, disenfranchise voters from the actual process of selecting the president you know, all of this is getting highlighted and all of this, you know, um, you know, being captured, documented and recorded is going to be used in attack ads during the general election. And the Democrats, well, they're pretty much screwed when it's all said and done. OK, so right now I just want to thank you for taking the time to watch this video on YouTube or listening to the audio version of this show. Uh, whether that be an uh, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcast. But if you're watching this on YouTube, please check out the videos playing off to the side to watch more content. And don't forget to hit subscribe. Thank you, and I will be back again soon. <laughs>